Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey everybody, welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. My guests today are Christine and Jules from the Not So Bon Voyage Podcast. But before we get to them, I have a few announcements. First and foremost, our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. Go there. See photos of our guests. See the links to the social media. See stories that I've written and some of the guests have written. See links to our social media. And by that, I mean, of course, Instagram, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram. Follow us there. Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. There are links to Stitcher Radio and Apple Podcasts. And really, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. I hope you subscribe. I hope you follow us. Or at the very least, give us a good rating, please. Because that helps more people find the show, boosts our presence there, and that's a nice thing for you to do, so I'd appreciate it. You think you'd be right for the show, or maybe you know somebody who'd be right for the show? You can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. So Jules and Christine had me as a guest on their podcast, and we decided to flip the tables, and they could come on mine, and I could grill them with questions. The Not So Bon Voyage podcast, as you can imagine by the title, focuses on the bad things that happen to people on the road, the mishaps, the misfortunes, and so on and so forth. And boy, are there a lot of misfortunes from people. We delve into a lot of those here as well. So it was good to be the interviewer and not the interviewee, and so I could find out a little bit more about them as people. They're a really nice couple. Jules is Australian. Christine's from the Bay Area. They met when they were down in Peru, began traveling together. They got married last year, and they were really nice. So This was recorded way back on May 29th, when California was still under a bit of a coronavirus lockdown. So this was done by Zoom, and hopefully one day I'll get to meet them both in person. That'll be fun. So please enjoy my conversation with Christine and Jules from the Not So Bon Voyage podcast. Jules and Christine, how are you? Great. Great. How are you? I'm okay. You're keeping a social distance. I can see you on the screen. Yeah, about, <laughs> about a three foot length there, but that's okay. Are you yeah. married? I know you're living together, right? Or are you not? Yeah, we okay. are married. We got married last November in Mexico. Congratulations. Thank, Thank you. you. We still like to keep a distance, though. We did this way before social distancing. <laughs> that was occurred. way before Corona. Yeah, yeah. That's, we the, that's the secret to a happy marriage, I'm told. Yeah. Six feet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, as you can tell from Jules' uh, his accent, you are from uh, Mississippi. Yep, Mississippi, born and bred. <laughs> go, go Gators. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever it is. No, that's, the wrong, that's, that's Florida, but that's okay. <laughs> Close enough. Right. You are uh, Australian? I am Australian. From okay. Melbourne. The best city in the world. Okay. Send your, <laughs> send your angry emails to Jules. At, um, so, Christine, where are you from? I am from just outside of San Francisco in California. Okay. So, how did you two meet? We'll get to how you started the podcast later, but uh, how did you two meet? We met in Peru, of all places. Yeah, As one but, does, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's actually a really good spot to uh, be single and traveling. It's just where everybody <laughs> meets, apparently. <laughs> yeah. If you want a husband, go down to Peru. Yeah. <laughs> really? Is that where you find all the Aussies? Yeah, yeah that's, they're much. all hanging out there in just mm-hmm. like one big cluster. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was uh, I thought that was Bali. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That actually, that is better. <laughs> that's very true. If you want to snag an Australian? Definitely go to Bali. They're, yeah. Okay. So, so you're in Peru. What year are we talking? We're talking early 2012, and we were both down there spending some time at a disaster relief organization, doing some volunteering, mm-hmm. and we actually arrived a day apart. And it, the rest was history. Oh, <laughs> lovely. Yeah. So we, we actually spent uh, six months there together. And so we started off as friends then we started dating. And then towards the end of our time in Peru, we decided, hey, why don't we just keep traveling? And we did. And here we are. Mm-hmm. So you're in San Francisco now. How long have you been back living there? We have been, we kind of come here like off and on. So we spend usually most of our time in either San Francisco area, Bali and Australia, and then with travel in between. 
But now with obviously all the COVID stuff going on, we're kind of just stuck in the Bay Area at the moment. Right. Not a terrible place to be stuck, but no. you know, can't move. Well, we're annoying. we're recording this on May 29th. And I think the I think the vibe up there, at least in terms of regulations, is pretty similar to LA County where we're at. But yeah. it's weird. I was in uh, Orange County yesterday, and it's like uh, they've declared it over. It's it's nuts. I mean, they <laughs> there's like uh, restaurants open. People are sitting around in like patios, and um, a lot more stores are open. It's very strange how it just differs from not only state to state but county to county. It's it's really wild. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. We even went for a walk today and just seeing the progression of how people, like how many less people care about wearing masks or like interacting and just walking down one of our main streets, which is just a few blocks away. And there were so many more people out with masks. Admittedly, we weren't wearing them either. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I was wearing mine. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> But yeah, it is kind of crazy. We were up, you know, a couple hours away over the weekend and we went to a Safeway and a bunch of people weren't wearing masks in the grocery store. And at least our Safeway, like you have to wear a mask. So we were pretty shocked, yeah, from county to county, how different it is. Yeah, I know. Was in Oakhurst, I think. Yeah, we're all making this up as we go along. And I don't know, the only time will tell who was, what was, yeah. wrong, what was wrong. It's very strange. But I mean, yeah. okay, so you... Uh, I know the uh, the podcast and, and we well first first of all tell people the podcast name and when you started it and what it's about. And I was thank you for having me as a guest by the way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's great on. to have you on. Yeah. So our podcast is called Not So Bon Voyage, and it's all about when things go wrong while you're traveling. So we tell stories from the news, from our own stories, friends, colleagues, and we have guests on, such as yourself, mm-hmm. to tell us stories about when they were traveling and things just went haywire, they got detained in an airport for nine <laughs> hours, <laughs> or things like that. Just, you know, the best stories of a travel are when things go wrong, right? Nobody wants to come home and tell the stories of everything was perfect and nothing went wrong. These are the best stories when you get stuck in the mud or, you know, you're miss a plane and things like that. Yeah, they usually lead to the time that you are challenged, you're pushed and you really learn something about yourself and you take away more than just a, well, hopefully not too many bad souvenirs, but you take away a life lesson anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So were you travel professionals before this or just travelers? Uh, Yeah. So we've been working in the travel space for the last six years. We started off as travel bloggers and that was just more of a recreational kind of hobby and then over the years as the travel blog grew and we learned more about working online and working in travel media that really took off and for the last four years has become our full-time business working in the travel space so working as content creators working as influencers um yeah sort of everything in the travel content creation and promotion space okay and well now we're all we've all been kind of grounded uh, do you have any yeah. kind of uh travel plans going forward right now or is I've my calendar has never been more open I don't know about yours (laughs) yeah it's pretty open (laughs) we were really lucky in that we did a big van trip through Canada at the beginning of the year we left just after the new year and we spent about two and a half months up in Canada and came back and pretty much like a few days later, we were in full lockdown mode in the Bay Area. So we were really lucky that we had that trip planned and got to do a lot of adventuring uh, up in the snow in Canada for the beginning of the year. And then right when we got back, it was like all of our work trips got canceled pretty much within a few days of each other. So yeah, our schedule is wide open. Wide open. <laughs> if you know any work going around. Yeah, work is, the, that's the tough part. But did yeah. you, yeah, so I'm thinking of like at least... Uh, I guess I'm due for a road trip, at least. And uh, I have no problem staying away from the general public. I've been socially distancing <laughs> for 25 years, so that's no that's no big it. deal for me. But uh, yeah, I think of like, well, what you know, most of Americans at least are going to have to do this summer and the you know for the early future. I mean, uh, is hit the road old old school style, and I think you're going to see a lot more of that, like van trips and RVs and that kind of thing. So. Um, definitely 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 so, the domestic travel trends are on the rise and yeah there's definitely a sentiment of the old school sort of 70s throwback road trip you know, staying <laughs> yeah. with the rv uh so i think we're going to see a lot more of that and definitely van travel as well we we do quite a bit of van trips around the u.s and gone in you know into canada and yeah we're seeing that become a lot more active mm-hmm. is this your van or have you do you rent one 
This is our van. Our yeah. van. Okay. When we say van, I mean, they can come in all sizes. I mean, is this a sleeping thing? Have you converted it in any way? Has it got water or an oven or it's, something? Uh, yeah, it's a van. You know, it's not as fancy. <laughs> not as fancy. Shag rug, 70s style, <laughs> like, you know, Boogie Nights van. Yeah, it's definitely not as fancy as some of these high top sprinters and things like that. It's an old 92 Dodge that we gutted and converted. We built a bed frame and we've got a bed and We've got solar panels. I mean, it's pretty nice. Like, it's a little small, but we've got solar panels, so we've got charge on the go. We've got a powered fridge. We've got water. Uh, yeah, we're pretty set. We've done some good trips in it. It's definitely not a super Instagrammy type van, but <laughs> yeah. it does the job. It gets us to where we need to be, and it's comfortable, and we can sleep in it. Well, I'll ask you a non-so not so bon voyage question. Give me uh, some mishaps on your two-month trip in Canada. What went wrong? Oh, gosh. Uh, we got Everything. Stuck. We got stuck in the snow a lot. <laughs> Our van barely made it back here. I'm pretty sure the brakes <laughs> are, like, the brake pads are broken. Uh, the gas gauge doesn't work. The speedometer doesn't work. There's a lot of, it's bar- <laughs> barely made it back. Yeah, it literally rolled in. Our last night when we were up in near sort of Mount Shasta area in Northern California, uh, that night when we rolled in, we started to hear the brakes crunching a little bit, and then we had to make the full five-hour tr- uh, trip back down to the Bay Area. The whole time, we're just trying to stay off the brakes because so the brakes are like crunching <laughs> him. But other than that, I mean, we got stuck in the snow a few times. We're not really snow people, so we didn't have a lot of experience in that. Thankfully. Yeah. Well, then we, by all means, go up to northern Canada in uh, January. That's yeah. A, yeah. It's a great idea. It's a good call. That's a good call. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In the mountains. We're really uh, smart. Sure. Yeah. Why yeah. not? The first time that we had to put on snow change was a bit of a baptism by fire because we got stuck in a car park and I dug, <laughs> dug myself into an icy ditch. So that was the first time learning how to put on snow change was in action, stuck in a hole, digging out with this tiny little spade, hand digging out, uh, <laughs> trying to wrap them around the wheels. So that was fun. And then we busted the, those out a couple more times, used AAA ones to get us out of a ditch. You know, just standard things. <laughs> yeah, snowy. Yeah, it's not a winter van. It's more of a summer van. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So were you on the West Coast, like in BC and, and all that, or did you go farther east? We started, so we drove up to Vancouver and actually did a house sit there for about a month and then uh, drove through Jasper over to Alberta and to Edmonton where we Uh-oh. also did a house sit. I don't know why. <laughs> no offense <laughs> to people from Edmonton. It's a nice city, but it's not again, the best place. Again, write your emails to not so blind by Yeah, We're going to get a lot of hate right yeah. now. All three, all three people that live in Edmonton. <laughs> yeah. Come and Just get us. in the middle of winter. It was like yeah. below no, you, you couldn't have picked a worse time to go. Yeah. I mean, really. I mean, if you, but did you at least get up to uh, Banff and all yes. that? I mean, that's gorgeous. Yeah, Banff was amazing. We did some skiing and snowboarding there and did some exploring, and that was wonderful. It was beautiful in the snow. So yeah. we enjoyed that for yeah, sure. Yeah, it was good. It was a good time. Cold, you, but... Yeah. <laughs> Jules, are you one of those... Uh, well, you're from Melbourne. It gets a little... It gets cool there, but I remember being on a trip in New Zealand on the South Island the first time I went, and I was on a bus. I was on a Contiki tour, oh, actually. Yeah. You know, not to brag, <laughs> humble brag. Uh, but, uh, there was a lot of Aussies on, on the bus and most of them were from Perth. And I remember we went to a glacier and they had to pull the bus over to, uh, let all the Aussies who had never seen snow before go out and play in it. And they were freaking out. I mean, it's a bit like that. Like where we're from, there's not really any good snowy mountains, especially nothing compared to, you know, the U S or Canada places around the world. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that was probably maybe like the fifth or sixth time I'd been in the snow before. So it was definitely very, very foreign to us. What was your first time? First time was in Canada, actually, probably 10 years earlier. I actually spent, so one of my first big trips was back in 2000, end of 2009. And a friend mm-hmm. and I went over to Canada and that's, I started a year long backpacking trip from uh, Vancouver all the way down to Buenos Aires in Argentina. Oh, oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So I spent a few months in Vancouver and yeah, pretty much the first time I saw falling snow was when I was up at Whistler one time for Australia Day. And I went outside <laughs> and I saw it and I was just out. I mean, admittedly, I was pretty drunk, but I just stood, out, <laughs> stood out there in the freezing cold in like a T-shirt, just looking up at the snow. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because a lot of the California resorts, I know like in Mammoth and uh, Tahoe and all those places, a lot of the uh, ski workers are, are all Aussies and Kiwis. 
that yeah. you know go for their summer. They come here and they, they just follow the snow around, and that's their yeah. summer job working in the in the ski resorts. Yeah, especially in Canada, it's very easy for Australians, being a fellow Commonwealth country, to get yeah. a visa. So a lot of people under thirty can get a, a year or two years like very very easily. So Whistler in BC and Banff in Alberta are pretty much ninety five percent Australians. Ah, oh, just when you think you can get away. Yeah, oh, no, definitely hear. not. You can never escape <laughs> the Australians. Yeah, they are everywhere. They are everywhere. So, Christine, was it ever your, after you guys got married, did you ever consider living in Australia or was that even an option or? Well, we ha- we lived in Australia in 2014 for the year. I did my work and holiday visa and that was amazing. I love Australia and it's definitely in the cards for the future. Hopefully Jules's mom is, is listening to this because she, <laughs> she's she all excited now. Back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for the moment we are just enjoying moving around or we were, were usually we're in Bali at this time of year. Usually we spend about three to four months uh, out of the year in Bali but obviously this year didn't really work out. But right now we're happy just continually moving and not really putting down roots yet. But eventually we'll see what happens. Yeah, we both we don't really have too much of a problem. Like I love being here. Christine loves being in Australia. We move between the two when we're not in this situation. We move between the two pretty frequently. We usually spend six to eight weeks in Melbourne. Uh, well, like just outside of Melbourne where my parents live over summer. We come back here for the summer. Pretty much just follow the sun. That's that's. That's except for this year. <laughs> except for this year when we decided to go some, do something crazy. So we got so we got married in in November last year in Mexico. It's one of our favorite spots, and we were going to go back to Mexico because we were thinking we just love Mexico. Let's get back there, and then we just had this crazy thought: let's go the complete opposite direction and let's go up to Canada for the dead of winter. <laughs> so, but we've done it now, and we'll probably never do it again. Yeah, <laughs> right. We're done now. We're done. <laughs> Is there a uh, story? Was there one first big trip that you guys took together that was like, okay, this is the test of our relationship. Like if if we can survive this, then I think we'll be okay. Well, it's funny because people say, you know, if you want to test your relationship, you should go traveling with somebody. Sure. But literally, that has been our entire relationship. <laughs> a better test was actually when we lived together in Australia and we were just working and not traveling. That was even a bigger test for us. But it was interesting because we met at that nonprofit in Peru. Our relationship was just accelerated because you're living together, you're working together, you're socializing together, everything. You see the person like 24 hours a day, basically. So it wasn't that hard of a transition to go from that to then traveling through uh, the rest of South America and then Central America together. And But yeah, I guess the following year after we met was 2013. We spent 10 months in Central America just backpacking, very budget backpacking, and staying in hostels. So we, if we survived that, I feel like we can survive anything. Yeah, we were we definitely accelerated. Like we probably got a few years of a relationship within a few months just because it went from living, like, yeah, living together, working together, spending all our social time together. So we didn't really have a dating period. We didn't have that awkward time where you text someone and you're waiting for them to text you back or when should I text them? It's too late. Like, can I go on a second day? It was just, we were together. And then, then the next day we were together again and we were together again. And then it just kept going and going. And I mean, it was, it was probably, God, I'm trying to think. It was probably at least a year and a half before we even spent one day apart. I think Christine wow. for a couple of days, that was probably mid 2013. So yeah, probably 18 months into our relationship was the first time we actually spent a day apart. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it was an interesting transition because we were both solo travelers. So I had done a Central America trip by myself the year before I met Jules. And then I was in South America by myself. And Jules was also a solo traveler. So making that transition from being like, I can just go over wherever I want, I can choose what I see, like I can choose my schedule to then having to travel, like traveling with somebody and compromising and, you know, adjusting schedules. That's a definitely an interesting transition. That being, there, what, we didn't really have that much. We were pretty good. <laughs> we were pretty good. Like we had, we both pretty similar. Is it yeah. split? Yeah. You know, so it's not like okay, one person's great at reading the maps, one person's great at uh, you know the logistics, or is? Oh no, it's definitely that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm definitely the map person. Christine would get lost in her own backyard. I have really bad with directions. Okay. <laughs> but luckily, we're similar travelers in that we 
don't really plan a lot. So we're very like spontaneous, just go with the flow kind of travelers. And we're both like that. So if one person was super rigid about an itinerary and the other one was like really lax, right. I think it could be like we would bump heads more. But because we're both pretty chill about it, I think it worked out perfectly. Yeah. Isn't it more about like, uh, like temperament and patience, really? I mean, if one person's really high strung and paranoid or, you know, High yeah. maintenance, it's not going to work if the other one's more cool, I think. Totally. Yeah, definitely. That's more of the compatibility that makes you gel or not gel as opposed to interest. Because interest can be compromised quite easily. Let's do this. This time, let's do that. It's more about your traveling style. And we're both pretty easygoing. We're not huge planners. We don't, we're actually terrible planners, even 10 years later. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're both pretty easygoing with that. It's not like we've got to do this, we've got to do that. We're both up for a bit of a silly goose time if we meet people and just go yeah. and flow. Yeah. I mean, it's also about interest too, because I've been with people that are like, I'm not a shopper and I've been with people who are big shoppers, which, mm. you know, it's like, okay. And you got to come up with some kind of deal. That's so like, okay, you can do your thing and I'll go to, yeah, we'll meet later. <laughs> or, but you know, like a day spent going from store to store to me, it was, it was a nightmare. So I guess it's yeah. all a give and take, but are there activities that one of you does that the other is just like, I'm going to take a pass on that? Well, there's not much to show. Well, I was just going to say, going back to like shopping, when you're backpacking in Northern Colombia and you haven't seen a foreigner in about two weeks, right. not much to shop. <laughs> <laughs> so that, was, that makes it pretty Or easy. it's like even like museums. Some people like museums, yeah. some people don't. And some people want to, are really into the history of a place. Other people just you know, want to do other yeah. things. I, it's kind of weird because we've spent so much time together and traveled so much together that it almost feels like we've just blended into one person <laughs> and we you can pretty much like just know what the other one is thinking. So who knows what I originally liked or what he originally yeah, liked. I, I can't even remember. <laughs> it's all just melted I, together. I think I liked museums, but I'm not sure. <laughs> right. I Are you a, okay, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say like, I think we're pretty, I think we're pretty similar. Like we, we don't mind learning about the history of things, but we don't, have to go to every museum. We like going to ruins, but you know, once you've seen a couple, they start to blend in together. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And we're both beach people. I yeah. feel like that's an important one. Like, if you're more of a mountain person or a beach person, that can be a conflict because some people really hate going to the beach. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> but and and city though. and city and rural. You know, some people like to be away from crowds. Other people are like totally city people. You know, they totally. want to be. So you guys can split that pretty easily. Yeah, I think because we both like to mix it up and just see a little bit of everything, it just kind of works out. Yeah, definitely. Well, the other thing is food preferences. Are you both on the same page food-wise or is one person more picky than the other or strict diet or can eat anything? Uh, Well, when I first met Jules, I was a very strict vegetarian and then I always like to say I turned him into a vegetarian, she but he hates when say I say that. that. <laughs> I was influential, I think. And now You're an influencer, the original. <laughs> uh-huh. Now we've settled into like a ninety-five percent vegetarian diet, where it's like if we go to a country and we there's a a local dish that we just have to try that has meat in it, we will you know experience it. But most of the time, we do travel vegetarian and eat vegetarian. So we've kind of, yeah, found a common, a good medium, I think. Yeah, definitely. Christine, Christine sort of gave me more insight into to why she was vegetarian and I educated myself more about that. And yeah, that's like definitely a choice, definitely influenced by Christine. Well, vegetarian's uh, easy in, in certain, certainly in Asia and a lot of places like that, but yeah, it, uh, it's South America and Central America when it gets tough. I mean, like uh, you go to Brazil and you're <laughs> a vegetarian or Argentina it's rough so difficult. and it's like, what do you, how, what kind of steak do you want today? It's like, I don't want any more steak, please. Yeah. No more. <laughs> totally. um, they also yeah. don't understand the concept of it either. So when you tell them vegetarian and our Spanish is pretty good after spending a few years. And so we could definitely converse quite well. And so you explain to them like vegetarian and they're like, okay, so no meat. Yep. Cool. So just chicken. You're like, no, no, no. Chicken at all. <laughs> and then Fish. like, okay. So yeah. So they're going through the list and you finally explain to them that, that's it. And they go, okay, you, you sure you understand? Yep, 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 cool. Then your rice comes back and it's got little chunks of ham in it. And they're like, <laughs> you're like, what's this? And they're like, it's ham. And you go, there's meat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we got that definitely a lot. And so, but we're not, you know, super f- fussy in that sense. You know, if someone served us meat, we'd probably just eat it. <laughs> we went yeah. pretty strict 
in the beginning and now we've sort of found a compromise. There's more to do with ethical sort of yeah, yeah. Meat as opposed to like the strict concept of eating meat. Mm. Yeah, vegetarian's doable and I've done it. I remember in Asia, I did that or in uh, India, I did it, oh, and yeah. which was very simple to do. But uh, vegetarian, you can do vegan is almost, that's hard, man. That's now you're totally. being, now you're being difficult. Yeah, that does seem really difficult. I've never tried to do that. Especially when you're traveling. Like you said, everything's got milk and eggs in it that they serve. I mean, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's it's impossible. Fish oil or like fish um, sauce and Mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's very difficult to do it. I'm going to ask you a not so bon voyage question. One of those ones yet. Give me the weirdest thing you've ever eaten in on your travels. Oh gosh, we should probably have those questions ready because we have yeah. our podcast and I haven't even thought about those. <laughs> oh God, that's me being a bad podcast. I, bad ate, I ate boiled pig skin in Peru. and Boiled? So kind of, yeah, it turned into this kind of uh, jelly almost. Uh, disgusting. Did and you have also, the guinea pig there? I had the guinea pig in Peru. No, I actually never had that. Really? Uh, you didn't? No, oh didn't. man, they're yeah. They're so creepy looking with the little, they're on like the spit and they have the little teeth poking you know out. It, yeah, you know what it tasted like? Have you ever had rabbit? No. no okay, oh, yeah. Well, poor little bunny rabbit. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, rabbit's more common, but uh, it's like that, but it's like a lot of, since the bones are so small, it's just like in guinea pig, it's just, it's a lot of work for not a lot of meat. Almost like yeah, pheasant in a way or something, or it's just like Cornish game hen. It's a little yeah. tiny thing and just like, boy, it's it's a lot of work picking through the bones to get to a little bit of meat. Yeah. So, yeah. But you never did the insect thing or anything in Asia or yeah, Mexico? I would say... I find them too bad, like the fried crickets or things. Yeah, that right. doesn't seem that weird to me now. I guess because you just see them all the time in, in markets in Asia. It's like they just have those yeah, fried crickets and other insects. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, that seems normal. I'd say probably one of the weirdest ones or most memorable was when we were in the Amazon in Peru and we were swimming oh, yeah. and, you know, bathing in the, <laughs> in the water in this like really pretty little section of the river. And it was really refreshing and we got out of the water and then they were like, okay, and now we're going to fish for dinner in the same place that we just, you know, swam. And we we're like, okay, what are we fishing for? And they're like piranhas. I was like, we just swam with piranhas. Like, <laughs> I'm really glad you didn't tell me that before. So then we fished for piranhas, and they are the weirdest fish ever. They make this like grunting noise when you pull them up from the water, and then we fried them over a fire. And again, like no, barely any meat. Zero. <laughs> yeah. Skinny bones and more of a no- definitely more of a novelty. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we did that when I was in Peru as well, and they they dropped something on the line, just a little piece of something, on, and within seconds, I mean, they were all. I mean, it was crazy. You just pulled one up. You almost like dipped it in and pulled it up a fish right on the end of it. They were that yeah. quick. They were yeah. that quick. Very quick. They're very hungry. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, on that same note, then another uh, not so bon voyage question: What was the first time you guys had food poisoning in front of each other? Oh, in front of each other. Well, I mean, That's you had the, interesting. Yeah, it's a very sensitive thing when you all of a sudden have the bathroom moment in front of a partner. Totally. You've hit another re- level of your relationship. <laughs> yeah, you unlocked another yeah. Lo- yeah, code. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> you made it. And now we're like, we could literally, nothing surprise, like nothing yeah. passes us out about each I'm other sure. anymore. We're so past that. I know the, probably the first time I saw you have really bad food. <laughs> El Salvador? Yeah. yeah oh, El- boy. I ate some roadside fish. Our stomachs are pretty strong, like having traveled through, you know, developing countries and like really off the beaten path and spending time in local communities. And so like, you know, we'd we'd eaten a lot of local food. And so we're like, yeah, it's all good. And we're at a bus stop. It's probably about a hundred degrees at a bus stop roadside Mm -hmm. fried fish. Good, like maybe 50, 60 miles off the coast. That was probably the best like indication of what. (laughs) And so I was like, yeah, I'll take the fried fish. Ate that, everything was fine. That night, oh mate, I've never been that <laughs> sick in my life. I was, I was just on the toilet, up and down, up and down. And we stayed at the the worst, cheapest backpackers. We were we were oh. cheap, like unnecessarily cheap, almost like it was a game. This place was probably about three or four dollars, <laughs> probably about three or four dollars a night. If there was so, any night you wanted to spend, could we, let's spend fifteen dollars. Oh, let's honestly, do that. We look back on that now and we laugh because we're like, what were we doing? It was honestly, probably 4 or $5 a night. It was this janky kind of prison-like structure with these two beds. 
bathroom looked like a scene out of the movie Saw. Oh. Riding all over, and it was just this toilet that I couldn't even sit down on because it was so disgusting. And I had to go to the toilet probably about a dozen times. No exaggeration throughout the night. <laughs> I was having weird hallucinations because I was so out of it. And we're not staying there, I think, for two nights. And then eventually we were like, all right, we've just got to do it. We cannot do this again. Like, we've got to get a place. And I think we spent 20, 20 or $25, maybe even less, like $22 on a place with AC. And for us, that was like going to book ourselves oh, into, the, into Taj Mahal. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. We were like, Woo. I just remember how clean it was. And we had uh, our own bathroom and we were like, wow, this is so nice. It felt like a luxury hotel. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, it did. And it was just literally a white, white clean room with a bathroom attached to it and AC. And we thought that was the absolute bee's knees. Yeah. And you said, you looked at that and said, I can't wait to shit in that toilet. Oh yeah, I definitely. <laughs> like, oh boy. I can't wait to get, get my ass on that toilet, boy. I'm going to sit on the seat. I'm going to sit the hell out of that toilet. <laughs> yeah. We definitely racked up the water bill. <laughs> <laughs> Got our money's worth. Oh man. Chrissy, you don't have any sick stories? You don't have any? Um, Mine was probably pretty early on in our relationship when we were still volunteering together in Peru. I got a parasite. I had Giardia and that was just not a good time. And a fun fact about parasites is that they stay with you unless you actually take medication to get rid of them, which I didn't realize until like a year later when we were in Mexico about to come back to the States and we thought, let's just get tested for everything just in case, you know, like we've been in Latin America for so long. And they, I tested positive again for Giardia. And me. And I was like, oh, I had that last year. And yeah, Jules had it too by then. And they were like, oh, well, did you take medication? I was like, no. They're like, okay, well, it's the same. That's the same parasite you had last year. Then it's just been with you this whole time. <laughs> So if you get a parasite, take antibiotics because oh. they're not going away. <laughs> so was the uh, plan before all this came down to uh, not stay in one place, just kind of be mobile for a while and live in different places? Yeah, yeah. pretty much just do the same thing that we've been doing the last few years. We've definitely slowed our travel down. At the start, when we first traveled, well, when we first got together, those first couple of years, we were bouncing around Latin America, country to country, you know, traveling still pretty slow. Then we did a year in Australia just to sort of pump the brakes. And then with the next couple of years, we went like 15 was Asia, 16 was Europe, traveling around a lot. But the last couple of years, we've sort of based ourselves out of places for longer periods of time and then done trip from there. And we found that that's been a bit more sustainable for our, ourselves, for our business, because, you know, spending a week here, a week there, bouncing around, it's kind of hard to get some good habits and good rhythm, especially to work on your business. So, yeah, I'd say like this year was probably going to be pretty similar to the last two years where we spent three or four months in Bali, come back to the US for four, three, four, five months back to Australia, and then just sort of intermittent work trips in between. Well, I can tell you someone who's older than you, as you get older, it, those the bouncing around gets less and less. Yeah. Oh, we you, you do. It. <laughs> you do yeah. so. It does... It's exhausting after a while, you know, sometimes like the love of travel never leaves you, but the constant moving gets, gets to be a bit much. So yeah, you just pick a couple places and you go, "Eh, let's, let's, let's," or at least the the travel gets slower, you know, let's stay longer in one place and then move from there. Is there any part of the world that you guys haven't been to that has been, I hate to use the term bucket list, and I say that every time, so I guess I like to use the term bucket list. <laughs> what, uh, what's on your list? Antarctica. Okay. Got to tick all the continents, just, you know. Yeah, I finally went a couple of years ago. I was lucky. How was it? It was amazing. It was amazing, but I got to go and be paid to go because I was working on a cruise ship there, so. Oh, that's even better. <laughs> yeah, so that's the way to go if I can recommend anyone yeah. but okay good it we'll is, get, it go is yeah the lack of any civilization you know the buildings so it's so eerily silent and beautiful you know yeah. it, it's it's pretty pretty spectacular so yeah, yeah. i recommend that, that highly. awesome yeah and then i would also say new zealand which neither of us has been to but it You're looks kidding. so beautiful i know right really but jules you'd never been to <laughs> And you know what, Christine, until January this year, had never been to Canada before. You're kidding (laughs) me. Are you so there? You want to start pointing fingers? We're so bad. Come on. Really? You'd never been to Canada? 
I know it's one of those things where it's like in your own backyard. Yeah, like, it's all yeah, right. Yeah, it's always yeah. there. I can exactly. Yeah. It's I exactly get it. same with New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, but New Zealand's so beautiful. Yeah, so is Canada. There you go. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But actually, New Zealand looks a lot like uh, Vancouver and BC around there. They're very similar, kind of, mm. and Alberta and stuff. Just you know, gorgeous. Yeah, really lovely. So you guys will love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely looking forward to that. Other than that, probably just. Uh, some travel through Africa. It's one of the places that we haven't spent time. Christine's been to Morocco, but we haven't actually spent time. Uh, we really want to go to South Africa this year. That was one on our list of things to do. And yeah, just a couple of other places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just ever growing our bucket list. Mm. It, as, as you travel, it gets longer instead of shorter for some reason. Yeah, I know. The more you see it, we're like, oh, we haven't been there yet. How about that? Yeah. The yeah, more you know, the more you know you haven't seen. Exactly. Pretty much. So, start, even places you've been, you're like, I want to go back there. Yeah. Totally. yeah. I want to see that again, or I want to, I miss that. I want to see that. So, yeah. Well, here's a not so bon voyage question. How about a place that you're okay if you never go back to? It's like, I'm good if we can not go back there anymore. Oh, God. We always make people answer this on our podcast, but <laughs> I don't want to answer it. I feel bad. Right. You don't want to diss anybody, but you know, there's places where you're like, mm, I'm good if we. God. <laughs> I probably wouldn't go back to Cambodia again if I had to pick somewhere just because I've already been there a couple of times. And I think we were never huge food travelers. I think we'd definitely become more food travelers as we've got older. Mm-hmm. And food in Cambodia kind of sucks. And especially because it's bookend between two great cuisines, Thai and Vietnamese. Yeah. So when you spend time in Thailand and then you cross over into Cambodia, suddenly you're like the food sucks here. And <laughs> And then you go to Vietnam, you're like, oh, it's awesome, and vice versa. But in saying that, I don't know, I really like the ruins and the Cambodian people have had a pretty, yeah. hard, pretty hard time. And that's true. Well, Angkor Wat is amazing. I mean, you, but after you see that, I mean, that's all I saw. Like, I never went to Phnom Penh or anything. I've never been to the – I heard the capital is a little rough. Yeah, the capital is not much to see. It's very interesting for historical like, sure, yeah. and, and learning about that, which is pretty rough and, like, very confronting – um, but yeah, I guess food wise, I'm kind of being a little bit tough on the Cambodian. It wasn't a bad country. I don't know. I feel like we like everywhere we go. Yeah. Any, I would, I, yeah. any, uh, hassles with, oh yeah. Christine, do you have one? My answer would be also Cambodia. I feel terrible because they've been through so much as a country. So it feels awful to say that, but I guess it just like, uh, Anchor Wat was amazing. And we went to a beautiful Island called Karong Sam Luam, which was stunning but other than that, there was like pockets of like, you know, typical Southeast Asia, like super backpackery, like party central places that just like weren't our scene anymore. So I don't know. I'm, but, I, but I'm sure it's a really lovely country. I don't want to talk shit on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, you know what? We just need to pick a country like Andorra. Okay. We spent one day in Andorra. Yeah. yeah. Sure. No, it was actually really nice. But well, we yeah. But, when you admit to it. Yeah. I know. When you asked me, uh, I could really, I was in the same boat. And then all I could come up with was like the nine hours I spent in Nigeria that gave me such a bad taste. Yeah, but I, I mean, know. the rest of Nigeria could be lovely, <laughs> and I'm judging it by the airport, you know. So that there I am. So that's I would, why we ask other people. When okay, we don't yeah. Ask ourselves. Um, have you ever had run-ins with uh, police or uh, border patrols or anything like that? Pass a few bribes anywhere? Uh, yeah, I've done a few bribes. <laughs> um, <laughs> definitely. Oh, actually, I've just thought of another one. Uh, Indonesia. Yeah. Coming, we definitely bribed our way into Indonesia to skip a long line one time. <laughs> and that was a very like subtle but also very organized operation. In Bali? Uh, yeah, yeah, in Bali. Yeah. And I, I definitely bribed my way out of a, a ticket in Peru one time when I got pulled over driving. I was driving a car across the Pan American Highway going from a workplace to another work spot uh, uh, in the volunteering organization. And definitely got pulled over at a road stop and the guy was like, hey, you know, we explained to him that we were volunteers because he probably looked at us and thought a couple of couple of gringos in the car. You'll, you'll yeah. Be. Well, they see you coming. I mean, oh, you yeah. don't you don't blend in in Central America. Yeah. Really. Well, we're in a beat up. Tall blonde America. guy. Yeah. <laughs> so he was like, oh, hey, you know, like, what are you guys doing? And when we explained to him that we we're working as volunteers for an organization after the earthquake, he sort of changed his tune a bit. So it wasn't too bad. But. Just before he left, he was like, oh, so have you got your license? We're like, no. He's like, have you got any paperwork for the car? And we're like, it was a borrowed a local Peruvian friend. And we're like, no. 
So he's like, you got any money just to like buy the, me and the boys some beers? And we're like, oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Gave him a few bucks. It was like, a gift. Yeah, it was a gift. More, more <laughs> a gift. But the one in Bali was definitely not a gift. That was like put the money in the passport. And right. And, uh, yeah. How about uh, any, have you been victims of any kind of uh, crime? Anything stolen? Anything like that? Panama. Um, Panama. Oh, yes. I got robbed at gunpoint. <laughs> oh, at gunpoint? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about I that forgot, I forgot being robbed at gunpoint. How do you forget that? Well, technically, okay. So it, I say gunpoint because it looked like he had a gun, but it's possible he didn't because he had this like... Um, Did he fabric. have his old hand in the uh, pocket thing? Yeah, with the, yeah okay. exactly. And he said, put him up. Put him up. Put him up. Oh. Stick him up. Stick him up. <laughs> But honestly, I was just so terrified. I was like, what? Like I had my hands up. I pulled my pockets inside out. I was like, please don't take anything. But luckily we were with, so we were coming back from the beach in Panama and we were on this very narrow trail and we saw the group ahead of us getting robbed uh, by this man. And apparently we had been warned about it on that beach. So I think it's fairly common but we were far back enough that somebody in our group had the very quick thinking to throw our bags uh, down this ditch in these bushes so that you know all of our valuables could hopefully be safe. And we did that and walked by this person and didn't have anything. And then as soon as we got back to the dock, we ran back with some local policemen and ran back to where we threw all our bags. And luckily, everything was still there because wow. I had like a $2,000 camera. I had just gone to the ATM. So I had like $500 in cash. I had all this oh stuff. Oh, my God. I was a really dumb backpacker. Yeah, by, back all bring, by, all, <laughs> by all means, bring your valuables to the beach. Totally. That's yeah. always recommended. <laughs> Some people had their passports stolen. During oh, no. That's yeah, awful. Is, yeah. But luckily, yeah. So nothing was stolen, but it still wasn't a fun experience. Oh, so what was your, what's been your guys' thought as bloggers and everything else for people who are doing this um, about social media, Instagram and everything? Is there one you really prefer over the others or has it changed dramatically in the last five years? I mean, things are changing all the time, but have you yeah. jumped on any other new platforms or are you TikTok people? We are trying, we're going to be TikTok people. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> I don't even know. I took a pass. I've, it's going yeah. too, too fast for me. I don't get it. Yeah. We tried to stay off TikTok for a little bit, but it's just like, it's so many people are on that platform and it's such an engaging platform that I think it would be fun. We have made a couple videos that we are not, okay. that are not <laughs> travel related, but are, we're Tiger King related. Oh, sure. Tiger King had that peak like pre or during the beginning of quarantine. Uh-huh. So we're going to hop on TikTok. Otherwise we've mostly been on Instagram, which has been an interesting platform. There's pros and cons. Yeah. To that yeah one. Ups and downs. I mean, we started off, Back so when we first started our travel blog back in mid two thousand thirteen, Facebook pages were way more you know successful for engaging your audience. You could actually get reach, you could share links, so it was a lot more efficient. And um, you know, and then we were on Twitter and everything like that. And over the years, we transitioned more to as our content, I guess, improved. We went more visual, so we transitioned more to Instagram and did more videos. So we did YouTube. So we're on all of them. And it's been it's been good, but yeah, I'd say we use Instagram the most now. And who knows, maybe TikTok next. Yeah, <laughs> and Instagram. You're at not so Bon Voyage or at a different. Uh, so our main travel. So our main business. So not so Bon Voyage is our podcast. It's been something we've been working on for the last sort of six months. But our main travel is called not so. Uh, not so mixed all up. Mm-hmm. It's called Don't Forget to Move. So that's our travel blog. All our socials are at Don't Forget the Number Two Move. And that's where you'll find all of our travel work. So all of our articles, our itineraries, our travel photos, our travel videos, they're all through our travel blog. But they're not so bon, bon voyage, it's just the uh just the the podcast. Story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. Okay. Um is the frustrating thing, the one the one thing I've found frustrating with it is uh, no matter what content you try to put out there, or at least I found, that it still gets trounced by uh, a girl in a bikini. On a beach somewhere, a photo of that. So how do you compete in that landscape? I mean, what's the key to making content that's going to break through and get an audience? Well, we got a girl in a bikini sometimes. Sometimes. So. So we, have, we haven't put that much content like no, that. But not like that. Just, All right, you say- win. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get married. Fine. 
<laughs> yeah, get married and then all your no, problems. Uh, will my be numbers solved. will just shoot up. Yeah, <laughs> you much. know what you got to do? Go down to Peru, get yourself a wife. Yeah. <laughs> go to Bali, find an Aussie. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, I would say to people, just post content that you like. Just find your own style because no matter what you do, the next day, even if you're doing really well, the algorithm could change immediately and things could yeah. just go to shit basically, which is what has happened to a lot of travel bloggers. But at the end of the day, if you're not posting content that you resonate with and you really like, then you're going to get sick of it anyway. And you're not, even if you do get a lot of likes, you're going to be over it. So just, you know, find your style and post what you like. Yeah. You I mean, you can definitely follow trends in terms of certain styles that are trending and, you know, obviously doing your hashtag research and, and things like that. But yeah, at the end of the day, as Christine said, if you're not enjoying the content creation process, then that's going to become a lot more taxing on you and you're going to not post. And being consistent with your posting is also a good way to gather a following. Right. How have you found the podcast space so far? I mean, now that you're new in it, what do you think, think of it? It's been good. I mean, it's it's helped that we've had, you know, we've got a you know, relatively strong platform across Don't Forget to Move of travel enthusiasts. So making that bridge to a travel podcast was good. It helped us have an audience that we could tap into. But then it gets to a point where you've sort of tapped your family and friends, you've tapped your yeah. audience and you've got to start finding new ones. And so, yeah, it's been good. I mean, we, we've been growing. I guess travel podcasts has probably slowed a little bit at the moment as well as all other travel content. Mm. Um but yeah, we continue to grow each month, which has been good. Um, so yeah, enjoying it. What made you not call the podcast Don't Forget to Move? We just wanted to do something separate. We really wanted to focus on the stories of when things go wrong when traveling. And Don't Forget to Move is niched down on sustainable tourism and uh, adventure travel. So we just wanted to just have something different. We've been focusing on Don't Forget to Move for so many years. It's nice to have a little <laughs> bit of a different project. Yeah, right. it's good. Yeah. Jules, what do you miss about uh, Australia besides the healthcare and not getting shot? <laughs> yeah. uh, two and, good things and, yeah and free education you forgot that okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean apart from my family my friends i i miss being a lot closer to the beach like living on the beach i miss vegemite oh come on you can get that here can't we yeah no you can you can but readily available yeah just like little foods but mostly just friends and family i mean there's a lot of similarities between where i live in california so yeah, friends and family and... Kangaroos. Kangaroos, yeah. Kangaroos. <laughs> yeah. Probably just being around. I mean, I've got a pretty good friendship base here of other Australians. I play Australian football in the Bay Area, part of the... Golden There's Bay. a league? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's actually nationwide uh, USAFL, Australian, uh, United <laughs> States, Australian Football League. I always wanted to go to a game and I'm never there during the right season. Yeah, well, they play... There's a team in LA. Um, there's, yeah, there's, there's lots of teams scattered throughout the country, so... I've got a good little network of Aussie friends, but otherwise I'd say I miss sort of being around Australians and people who get me and can actually understand me most of the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. We get so many people who don't understand what Jules is saying, which is hilarious. Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that crazy? It's not that hard. Maybe maybe I'm, I'm pretty good with accents just because, uh, I mean, I travel a lot, so I'm pretty yeah. good at picking out where people are from. And I can almost um, – I'm pretty good at telling Kiwis – from Aussies, which I think is pretty easy, but most people can't at all. But it's just, you know, nobody else can tell the difference between Americans and Canadians. Yeah, that's you true. know, I mean, so it's if you're from the, the East same. Coast, if you're from the East Coast, Canada, I think it's easy. If you're from if you're from Vancouver, you're basically from oh, yeah, Seattle. The, like, yeah, I mean, they sound like Californians. I mean, the, the accents are certainly stronger the older. You know, there's a huge difference between a Boston and a New York, and then a Chicago, where I'm from, and and. The South and even in the South, there's a different, like a Texas Southern accent is different than a Georgia, you know, so it's, yeah, it's subtle, but uh, we can tell the difference, but you know, I'll go to Europe and they can't tell the difference between any of us, yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I know it's, it's, it's very different. I mean, who has the heaviest accent? Uh, what region of uh, Australia? I'm sure Melbourne people talk different than say someone in uh, Cairns. Yeah, Melbourne's pretty neutral. It's like kind of like, yeah, I'd say it's pretty neutral. Sydney, you know, it's like do the, city. Do the Perth people sound different? 
a little bit more, a little bit more rough around. As you get out of the bigger cities, they get a little bit rougher. If you go to country Victoria or like into the country, which isn't very far, you only pretty much need to go like an hour or two outside of the city. Right. You start to get some like, it's like the words that they use and the way they say them. So it's a combination. So it's not mm-hmm. just how they say it and how much rougher the accent is. It's also just the things they say because we use a lot of slang and we use a lot of, you know, colloquial sayings and sure like that cockney rhyming slang and so you know you could say something and someone just go what are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> i was wondering as a comedian you just wondered who are the rednecks you make fun of is it like tasmanians <laughs> oh, Tasmanians, Tasmanians always get it like Tasmanians yeah okay there we go yeah two heads the classic one is like you know where's the scar on your shoulder from your two heads and you know <laughs> is your girlfriend your, is your girlfriend your sister you know like sure okay so like, yeah they get they get those a lot <laughs> so Tasmania's uh, beautiful <laughs> yeah I know I've been I I was mad because I was on a ship I did one from um from New Zealand to Melbourne, and a lot of times they st- they stop in uh, Hobart in Tasmania, but we didn't do it on that one. So I've been wanting to go there for a while. So um, I heard the wine's good too. Yeah, I've heard that. I'm definitely, I want to go too, but yeah, I haven't been yet. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of one other thing I wanted to ask you guys. So who has been your aside from me, of course, your most memorable guest? On the uh, if, if people are gonna are new to the show and they haven't heard it before, is there a few episodes you'd recommend? I would say start with our very first Voyager chat, which is not our very first episode because we do have episodes where it's just Jules and I exchanging stories that we've researched. But our very first guest we had on was his name is Michael Hilliard. And he just has a slew of stories. He's a journalist and he has reported from war zones and all around the world. So he has stories of getting drunk with the Taliban, drinking, having a gun pulled <laughs> on him by the Russian mafia, uh, just all sorts of crazy stories, getting shot at in Kyrgyzstan, crazy stories. So I would, I would start with that one. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Good. It's yeah. pretty gnarly, that yeah, one. Yeah, he had some really gnarly stories. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, the yeah, best so, stories, yeah. then I hear them and I was like, ah, oh, I wish I had those stories. And then you hear them and going, God, those are frightening. I don't know if yeah. I do want those stories. Totally. Yeah, I'm pretty happy not being like having a gun pulled on me by the <laughs> Russian mafia. Yeah, I don't need to be shot at. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Christine's fake gun story is enough for me. Yeah, yeah. I know. That was enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I always like to uh, wrap up these things with the same question and that is it's like all this travel that you've done how has it changed you as a person and how has it changed like your views of the world and people in general well i would say that so i started off as a solo traveler which i would recommend to every single person travel by yourself if you can at least for a short trip because that is probably the most life-changing thing you'll ever do It's just this level of like, okay, I have to take care of myself and I have personal responsibility and everything is up to me. And you will not find that pretty much in any other facet of life. So that was such a good learning experience. And yeah, it's just opened my eyes to the fact that everybody from every walk of life, you can find common ground with and you can, you know, share a beer, share a coffee with them, learn a little bit about each other and find out, yeah, that you have a lot in common. Yeah, I mean, very similar. Like, just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well said. Yeah, yeah. Well what said. she said. What she oh, okay. said. Yeah, I see how this relationship works. Yeah. He just is, yeah, what she said. That's good. It yeah, works really much. well. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Jules is someone from a completely different side of the world. Um, what What can we... As I mean, my my problem I had with Australia, and I mean, I loved it, but almost that it was too similar to the U.S. when I went. You know, there was just too many. I mean, both countries were started around the same time. Both of like from from Britain. You know, there's there's not a lot of history there on besides you know, anything older than that was Aborigine, which has been kind of like wiped out. So there's like no big old castles to go see or something like that. You know, so if there's something that we could do um, differently 
I know we we joked about the healthcare and the, all those things. Is there something that you'd like to see in Australia different that maybe they can learn from other places? Um, I don't know. I mean, Australia's got it pretty good at the moment. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, I mean, I'm jealous in a lot of ways. Yeah. I did notice that like, well, once you get outside of the, uh, like Melbourne and Sydney, it's, uh, you know, it's not very, how shall I say, you know, diverse. <laughs> yeah. Australia's <laughs> definitely, I mean, we can definitely learn to... There's nobody there, basically. There's only yeah, 23 million or whatever. Yeah. I mean, we can definitely learn to be more tolerant, like racially tolerant. You know, like Australia does have a history of, you know, it's a different, I guess, a different form of systemic racism, you know, compared to the US. But there is definitely, uh, it's definitely there. And when you get outside the cities, it's very easy to see and to find, you know, the the capital cities and the main ones, you know, Melbourne and Sydney and, you know, spreading out to Perth or Brisbane are definitely a lot more inclusive and tolerant. But anything outside of that does start to become pretty, like, white Anglo-Saxon, you know, very, like, sort of homogenized views of traditional views. And so, yeah, I mean, it's not often places that are visited by tourists, but I think that, you know, more people going out and seeing those places would expose both the locals there to that experience and also other people as well that, you know, Australia does have lessons to learn as well. Like we do have, you know, we're one of the last countries to legalize gay marriage and like, you know, you don't think of Australia when you think of things like that because you think of it as a very easygoing place, but that's because you meet people from Melbourne and Sydney who are traveling and they're easygoing and that, but then you look at the core of some of the values of Australia and they're very traditional and conservative. So yeah, we definitely have things that we can work on. Oh, it's every country. There's no perfect place. I've learned, if I've learned anything over the years, there's no one perfect place. Yeah. Everybody sort of borrows some things that work well. Right. But in terms of, yeah, in terms of basic necessities like healthcare and education, we're we're doing not too bad. Yeah. (laughs) And COVID too. Yeah, in COVID, yeah, I don't know. I think New Zealand and Australia are pretty, pretty. Yeah, don't there. they have a bubble now that they can go between each other now? I think yeah, travel wise. So, yeah. Oh, that's that must be nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, I didn't. I forgot to ask you guys as experts. Uh, well, give me your uh, Bali suggestions away from the uh, hot spots. Give us a secret cool Bali place to go to. Oh, what should we say? An insider's tip. Insider's tip. I really, I spent some time traveling the north of Bali, which is really nice. It's not mm-hmm. as visited as often. So that was nice. Um, the Nusas, so Nusa Lumbagan, Nusa Seningen, and what's the other? Oh, Panita. Panita. Those are really mm-hmm. beautiful. Those are right next to Bali. Very easy to get to. Becoming more touristy now. Definitely getting more been, touristy. But, but still very low key. Yeah. And then go to Lombok, which is not actually on Bali, but it's next yeah. to Bali. And it's, beautiful and a lot of tourists do not go there yeah okay definitely not enough tourists go to Lombok and Lombok's actually really uh they suffered a lot of um setbacks with their tourism trade because they had a really bad earthquake at the end of 2018 yeah I remember that so yeah and so they actually had a lot of damage up in the north in particular their tourism industry copped a massive hit and so we actually spent some time there last year working with a travel partner to go and write up a bunch of content and to promote Lombok tourism and to work with a a local nonprofit that was building schools there. And so we got to experience a couple of weeks in the island and it was, yeah, it's absolutely stunning and it's very, very unvisited. So, I mean, it's, it's different in terms of cultural because it's, it's more Muslim than uh, Balinese, but you know, the people are still incredibly nice. The beaches are amazing. It's basically like Bali, just with some different sort of cultural. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What other uh, off the beaten path place do you recommend people visit that not, I don't want to ruin it by undiscovering <laughs> it, but you know, like where do you recommend people go that, that, that maybe they wouldn't think about? Oh, Philippines. Question. Philippines. I mean, people do go to the Philippines, but they're what over 7,000 islands. Yeah. yeah. So if you go there, I mean, we always recommend the Philippines because they're stunning and you can easily get off the beaten track there just because there are so many beaches, so many islands and the people are so incredibly nice and welcoming. Yeah. We love the Philippines. Yeah. I think but- with backpackers, one of the things is that when you, there's a very, I mean, like the Gringo Trail that goes down, you know, South America and that there's a very similar path that's worn through Southeast Asia and it's, 
Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, and, and everybody sort of does the same thing. And they think because you can do that over land that going to the Philippines is got to be a flight and so suddenly this sort of changes the game and so a lot of people don't visit that. And it's not also the easiest place to backpack because you do sort of have to island hop. But you can get flights for really cheap between Vietnam and the Philippines and you can get internal flights in the Philippines for super cheap and it's just a country of incredible beaches and, yeah, I mean, we always say like Filipinos whether they're at home or abroad, uh, by far, like, the nicest people ever. No matter where you meet Filipinos, and they're everywhere. Like, Filipinos, yeah. like, when we... Hey, man, work on a cruise ship. Yeah, oh, yeah. They, yeah. Oh, man, they are the, all the... I'm, I'm learning Tagalog just um, by, you know, osmosis. Seriously. Oh, yeah, seriously. I mean, when we were house-sitting in Edmonton in the middle of nowhere in the suburbs, our neighbours were Filipino. Like, yeah. You know, like, they're, they have communities everywhere, and they just they're just so nice, like, they're even nicer in the Philippines because they're so appreciative that you are there visiting the country. They're yeah. like, thank you, thank you. And you're like, no, thank you. Like, thank you for letting me visit your country. And they're like, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> First time I went there, I just spent a couple months traveling throughout Asia and kind of going Vietnam and I was in Cambodia and stuff. And then I ended up in Philippines meeting a friend. But it's weird to get to a country where they actually still liked Americans. Which was, <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, it's refreshing sometimes yeah. after, after a while. It was, it was kind of rough, you know, yeah, it, yeah. it can be, it can be. I envy uh, your Aussie passport yeah. in many places. <laughs> That's why one of the reasons I would say Aussies got it easy going around because like no one hates them. It's like Canadians, or as I say in the act, it's, you know, they're like tan Canadians who surf. Yeah. <laughs> they get all the they get that passport that gets them in anywhere but they but as soon as somebody starts to hate them they go hey man i'm just i'm Austri i'm not american i'm Austri oh and then they can just pass <laughs> yeah so we true. got it pretty easy although yeah. if you go to bali and you see some of the antics that aussies get up to there you can you can quickly yeah. see that we can be tools as well <laughs> oh yeah no that was the one place where they uh they actually assumed i was australian first when they saw a white guy come and they say, hey, good day, mate. And I was like, no, those are the other guys. You don't have to say that. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> you don't have to say that to me. Um, yeah, 99% yeah. of the people there would be Australian there. So Yeah, it's like they're, they're like, Vegas. They just get away. Yeah, I mean, you can get there from, especially like from Perth, you can get there in a couple of hours. You can get there for a couple of hundred bucks. You, yeah. can, you can go there for a weekend or a long weekend. It's definitely... It's one of the only go. close places Australians can visit. Yeah. So far from everything else. Yeah, I mean, it's cheaper, <laughs> it's cheaper to fly to Bali and spend a week in Bali. Like, if you're in Melbourne, it'd be cheaper to fly to Bali for a week and you'd be able to do way more than to fly to Queensland for a week, which is, like, on the East Coast. Yeah, really? Oh, Even for sure. To go to, like, Brisbane? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if, like, flights would probably still be cheaper. And then once you get there, like... Well, the prices are cheaper, for sure. Yeah, so it's way cheaper for you to go over to Bali for a week. I mean, you can get to Bali for a couple hundred bucks return. From Melbourne, that's the furthest point. I mean, apart from Tassie, but I don't really count. But yeah. So. Okay. Okay. I'll end this with the standard newsman question these days: Where do you see the future of travel in this post-virus age? Oh gosh! Pass this over to my co-host. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a tough question. Who knows? I mean, I would say, like we were saying earlier, probably a lot more domestic travel, more mm -hmm. road tripping, yep. which I think will be great. A lot of people just assume that they have to go overseas to have a really amazing vacation. But the United States has so much to see. Like our national parks are incredible. Each state is so different, so diverse that I'm excited for people to travel more domestically because there's a lot to see here. Yep, I, I agree. I think it will start more domestic and then it will sort of move into like these little regional bubbles and yeah, it will give people a good opportunity to see more of their own hometown. And as Christine said, like the U S parks are just so incredible. We had the opportunity to see a few in, I mean, we've seen a few over the years, but we ha we got a good chunk done in 2017 and they're just incredible. Like there's so much to see in the U S and it just changes depending on where you are. And it's such a big country. Like it's massive. Yeah. We, we do have, if we're going to get confined to one country, we can see a lot of different you know, weather, you know, climate zones, little area you want desert. We got mountains, we got mm -hmm. tropical, you know, so there is an advantage of that. Yeah. Even yeah. And culturally as well, like the people change a lot depending on where you go. So yeah, yeah there's a lot to see. So it's not the worst place to be stuck. No, no, they're not worse. <laughs> Although I, I do, I do would, would like that healthcare. 
If you can just yeah. send some our way, Jules, it's just <laughs> That'd be great. I'll take half of it. I'll take half your healthcare. How about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. You want some free education as well? Yeah. Oh, oh, do I? Um, okay, so uh, get in your plugs again, where people can find you, and um, and the the podcast and the websites and and the all your handles. Yeah. So if you want to check out our travel blog, that's called Don't Forget to Move, and it's Don't Forget to Move dot com, and all our socials are Don't Forget to Move. So Instagram. Facebook, Twitter, all that. That's all our travel content. Yep. And then our podcast is at notsobonvoyage.com. Our socials are at notsobonvoyage. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you guys for uh, having me on your show and thanks for doing mine. Yeah. And, thanks uh, for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we can uh, actually meet in person one day. Yeah. That'd be fun. We, yeah. I'm sure we'll be down. SoCal sometime soon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's one place now that we're all just driving. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we're going to do Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. That's uh, Jules and Christine from Not So Bon Voyage. Thanks. Cheers, mate. Thank you.